very good day to all of you listeners out there. Welcome to another episode of Simon Says. Today we have Lanshi as a guest. Hello, hello. And of course, Lyra. Hello. So we haven't had Lanshi for a while already, but today I think, you know, Lyra and I were just discussing the things we want to talk about, right? And we, we thought, like, hey, maybe she'll be a good <laughs> kind of person to come in to discuss because it's really more of a, more like a feel and, <laughs> you know, just comment on what's been happening and last week, we talked about Jocelyn Chia, right? Yes. And the whole cancel culture. But I think today's topic is somewhat related. So what are we talking about today, Lara? <laughs> we're talking about bakute. Bakute, <laughs> yes. I mean, we're not having bakute here. We're drinking Coke and Vida. But it's on a news article, 13 of June. And I think uh, maybe we'll just show the article first and then go through a little bit. Then we have a free flow kind of discussion, okay? So the, it's a Malaysia Kini report that the title is called Celebrate Diversity. Now, we don't really like the work, but here I think it is appropriately used. Tourism Minister backs Bakute as heritage dish. Now, of course, who is the tourism minister? I mean, the top Siri, Tiong King Singh, right? And uh, Lanshi, you know, we, we asked you to come here because the other day we were talking about this <laughs> and, and you were saying, oh, this guy is really the, the mad man of Sarawak. When, when we say mad, we don't mean insane, right? Yeah. I mean, mad as if like someone who can be perceived by even the majority as crazy, mm -hmm. but it's someone who is also speaking the truth and yep. sensible. And it's basically just in today's contact, it's really like a wrecking ball against the like political correct, correctness like that. Yeah. Now, interestingly, Tiong King Singh, I don't know how many of you have seen him in parliament. I'm not sure if he even used Bahasa, but very often he doesn't even want to use Bahasa. And and I, I guess MP from Sabah, Sarawak, they are sort of exempted. But he didn't even, you know, sometimes he'll be like, oh, yang di Petua speaker, izinkan saya to use English or whatever. I, I think he doesn't even do that. It's just like, I'm a member of parliament. Are you stopping me from speaking? And you see some of his live discussion. I mean, some people call him vulgar. Some people call him out of line. But in this article, if we come back, he really speaks a lot of truth, right? Yep. Mm. So, so Lara, maybe you just give us a bit of background, you know, why the whole Bakute discussion come into the consciousness of Malaysia. I mean, right after, the, right after Jocelyn Chia, and later we're going to talk about the link, actually. Yeah, so we have this MP, Jimmy Poor. Mm -hmm. So earlier on, he was just reading some watching some documentary. And in fact, he saw that Singapore was claiming Bakute <laughs> to be the heritage dish. And in his words, he was very much angry because how come it's, everyone knows that it's originated from Klang? Yes, but what's the big deal about this whole thing? And but the thing is, what makes our tourism minister came out to say is because his deputy is also supporting the argument by the MP of mm -hmm. Langkawi. Basically, they are saying that, no, this, it should be something that is to be enjoyed by all Malaysians. So that's, that's pretty much the whole context, so which is why we come to this article here that says that the Minister of Tourism is pretty much backing this, mm. this whole dish as the national heritage. So, so let, let's go back to that one point first. A national heritage dish should be enjoyed by everyone. So that's like, you know, we have a term, we call it the lowest common denominator. 
So if you want something to be accepted by everyone, the lowest level has to accept. But is that the way to value culture and heritage? No. I mean, it's like, okay, Mona Lisa is European, so it's not, it doesn't pass our Asian sensibility, so it shouldn't be considered art. <laughs> I, I mean, I know this is a bit ridiculous kind of example, but that's essentially what the deputy tourism minister is trying to say. And interestingly, I mean, we say coming back to the link with Jocelyn Chia because of the whole competition, the this, this thing. And Lanshi, you were saying earlier on about if we don't claim certain things as ours, Singapore is going to steal it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at the whole Bakute saga, saga it is actually, this is what Jocelyn Chia was talking about, mm. that you, we are... Uh, you know, we are captured so much by the race, the religion, but we can't see the bigger picture. Mm. And, 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 and worse, I mean, as a country, as a nation, we are losing our competitiveness, you know, compare, uh, compared to our neighbor, na- na- neighboring country, like, like Singapore especially. And we're just saying that, look, why so many people, I mean, we're just looking at even up to today, the reactions, you know, all, all the negative reaction is like feeling very sore and things like that. These are not hurting Jocelyn Chia at all. In fact, she became even more famous. And But we were just saying that, is it because there is some truth in what she says and That's right. people felt hurt by that? Yeah. And, and she was saying Malaysia was bad work, we are not progressive. And I guess there is quite a bit of truth in there. And, and Lara, you're just saying, right, with the, the, the exchange rate between ringgit and Singapore dollar is at all-time all time high. high. Yeah. And that subtle, maybe kind of compressed inferiority complex are coming out. But anyway, when it comes to food, we are not inferior to Singapore at all. No, <laughs> no <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so, I mean, you ask any Malaysian. I mean, that's why we are like, we have no problem dissing Singapore for their inferior food. I mean, in fact, many Singaporeans will agree. I mean, why do they flock to Ipoh and Singapore and Penang? And nowadays, they even go to Kuching for Sarawak Laksa and things like that. So you say, why? Why? Do you see a lot of Malaysians go to Singapore for food? No. And with the type of exchange rate for half the price, <laughs> you can enjoy much better food for the Singaporean. <laughs> yes, interesting. And, and, and that's why, you know, we, we go to Singapore... You know, for sightseeing, maybe some high-tech shopping, maybe some high-brand shopping, but not really for food. But to be fair, their, their hawker food is cheap. Mm, yeah. And you can have affordable food, but is it quality heritage food? <laughs> questionable, questionable. <laughs> yeah, but, but we're not to- really talking about that today because let's come back to what Dr. Siri Dong King Sing said. And wh- when I first was planning to talk about this topic, I was thinking more in terms of you know, here in this show, we have been kind of pivoting on state elections and the whole state election, the mood is really like, how, how do we, uh, you know, you have, you have the, those who support the unity government uh, and they're like, look, we, we need to have moderation. We need to, to fix our economy. But at the same time, you get this kind of the rubbish uh, issue. You know? When I say rubbish, I, I'm talking about you are basically causing a sidetrack and it's like people are, you know, why are we arguing over Bakute when we should be talking about economy and things yeah. like that? And But it kind of makes me think that this whole, uh, I mean, I call it culture war. It, it, it is culture war because 
religion is not supposed to dominate our life and society like this, but somehow in Malaysia, we have allowed it to happen. And I think only someone who is totally not truthful would say religion doesn't impact our society as, uh, as it should not be. But anyway, we come back to this whole issue about uh, religion. And later I want you to just get both your take because this is not something that can be easily resolved. And, and you, we also see that with, with the unity government, they're a bit hesitant, you know, they, they are like kind of like, we better don't do the thing that spook certain culture and religion. But it's like, but, but I can understand the, the tension because the, the unity government, basically you have two very different group of ideology coming in together. But still, let's, uh, I want to read some of the things that Dr. Siri Tiong said. And he said, look, when it comes to food, quote, I think we must open up. We must be open-minded, not think so much about it as halal or non-halal. Can it be touched or not? And I find it very interesting because it's almost like, you know, Lanshi was saying the madman, the wrecking ball and... I don't know if he intends it. He is basically wrecking his own deputy. He was wrecking the, the, the MP from Nankawi. He was wrecking all those people to say and say, you can't sell pork in this place because we have other people who doesn't consume pork. Then why don't you do the same with beef? But what, what do you think of all these things? I, I mean, it's like, but what? Okay, let, let me give you my take first. Then I want to hear from both of you because the, the thing that really struck me was nobody really dared to stand up against him. Mm, that's Point right. number one. And, and we've been talking about the decentralization and how Sabah and Sarawak really have more bargaining power now. And this is the kind of decentralization I like to see because when you have more power, you can say something that makes sense and maybe people are afraid to agree, but I think deep down, a lot of non-Muslim will agree. Why should this be an issue? Why sh should what I ate be affected by what you believe? I mean, it's between you and your God, right? Yeah. Oh, but what do you both think about the, this statement? Um, <laughs> now, uh, the thing is this, that this Bakute issue, I was also thinking, why only Dato Sri Tiong spoke out? You know, I mean, it's something that I mean, is... he's tourism minister. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's tourism. <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. But it is like... Um, uh, the same can be applied to... For example, beef rendang. Mm -hmm. So can I say beef rendang is offensive? Because half, not all Malaysian, you, you have Malaysian who find eating beef offensive, mm. you know? And, 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 and many Malaysians can't accept that. Uh, the, the, the Buddhists, the, uh, 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 the, Hindus. the Hindus. So... Maybe offensive. Now, when you say offensive, uh, now, very interesting, Re recently, I mean, a few weeks ago, I went to Johor for a business trip and, we, and I, went to a, I went to Moa, actually. So, Moa is famous for one of the beef noodle shops, you know. So, we went there and, and, and so, so the, the one who is like, treating us, they just, oh, everyone can eat beef. Uh, but if someone cannot eat beef, no big deal, you know. Then I just eat, eat something else. I, I think maybe they are not really offended. I, I don't think so, you know. It's more like, my belief doesn't allow me to eat. My religious boundary doesn't allow me to eat. But then I'm not offended that someone sat opposite me have beef. You know, I, I know I know many of my friends, maybe Buddhists or Hindu, who doesn't 
consume beef, they are not offended by that. Yeah, that's right. Most of the time. So I, I guess what, then, then the, the issue is why the offense? Mm, that is very interesting. Um, I mean, I mean, do you know any non-beef eater will be very offended if you eat beef and they, they can't... I mean, maybe some cannot stand the smell and things like that. Lamb, I know lamb. Some people are like that. Mm. Um, well, I, th- I would think like in a, in a workplace, especially, you know, mm. you have mixed races. Um, and if you have um, colleagues who are... Uh, who obviously can't, can't, can't eat non-halal food. Yeah. Um, and it is almost like a silent agreement that ha- non-halal food is not allowed in a, in a public pantry, sharing, in a yeah, yeah, kitchen, in a pantry, in microwave, a kitchen, in a microwave. You know, especially if you work in the public sector. Um, not sure private sector. I guess the policy can differ from company to companies, and and depends how big is your company, when, mm. who who works there, and things like that. So I would say more so. Uh, more problematic with non-halal food, mm. and so what, why is it so? Is it because there is that silent agreement? Is it because it's a majority race here? I mean, we, we are going into a territory which a lot of people are not comfortable Correct. to discuss. Correct, it's because it is not so much the food issue. Mm. I think it is more of the race, the mm. religion issue. Still, still back to that, that you know that rabbit hole that has been holding the whole country. Mm for generations and and seems like you know this is one of the things that we are struggling to navigate mm. yeah and it's not just uh it, and it's not just affecting the race and the religion locally but if you step back in a wider perspective it's affecting the whole country mm-hmm. the whole standing of a country in southeast asia even in the world um, I mean, just just talking about food industry and food as a tourist mm. uh, attraction alone. You know, Korean food so popularized by obviously Korean drama. But how many tourists travel to Korea just to eat the different type of Korean food? And if you want to just make bakute as a this type of race and religion issue, but you lose the perspective that this bakute can attract tourists and promote Malaysia tourism, then, you know, and, and, and you let Singapore <laughs> taking and claiming mm-hmm. that as their heritage food, then, you know, what, how, how is the country going to, to, to advance uh, with this type of mentality? And with the same uh, MPs that is saying this is not representing Malaysian, what sort of food will all Malaysian be agreed upon? and represent all Malaysia? You tell me, right? Yeah, exactly. Actually, I felt like this whole thing it's actually linked to, you talk about the silent agreement earlier on, but I felt like it's actually a form of cult mm-hmm. of actually fake tolerance. Because I felt like people are so ingrained by the whole idea of, no, we, we just want harmony. At mm. no cost shall we rock this whole boat. Be it factual or not factual, because I felt like this whole thing is manufactured. Yeah. So there is that, we somehow just got sucked in into all this whole of um, cult of basically just having to tolerate each other mm. and in the name of harmony. But the thing is, it, Malaysia is so unique on its own because of the diversity that we have in the culture. I mean, not many other countries have this sort of legacy. Mm. So having 
I mean, a lot of people will actually want to hire Malaysians for work, for instances, because mm. of our diversity. Yep. Because of the fact that you are able to converse True diversity. Various, yeah, various languages. So because of that, that is actually added value. So why do we need to, yeah, like what you say, throw away the mm. cost benefit just because of, well, my religion say I can't eat this. But actually, whose religion? I mean, there's only just one religion that really can't eat this, but it doesn't mean that every other religion should or mm. other races should tolerate like nasi lemak. I mean, why should we claim nasi lemak to be the heritage dish, for instance? Yeah, and very interesting you talk about this uh, forced tolerance because we, we have seen the progressions because, I mean, in the 80s, in the 70s, days, we don't have this so-called policing of food. Uh, and then now you have the policing of food. And now uh, i give you another example, which is not secret at all. If you are a hotel, you are F&B, you wanted to take government business, you have to be 100% halal. Hmm. So if you even have a non-halal entity, you will not get the job. Hmm. So you see, this is the kind of things uh, which come from what Lara you were saying, the, the forced harmony. And I'll, I'll go one step f- further and say this is weaponized control. And we, we know this issue and why people are silent, I, I guess there's the fear of authority and the, then the, the fake harmony that you, you talk about. But why is the root issue here? Is it because we kind of bring religions into every aspect of our, of our sphere? Well, I think it, in, a, in a lot of ways, I think because we were brought out learning the history, basically May 13 is mm. one of huge issue in Malaysia. And so I guess somehow consciously or subconsciously, we will just be having that at the back of our mind. Yep. So don't go there because that's where non-tolerance will lead you. Mm. But when it comes to food, I mean, do you, do you think it's kind of ridiculous? I mean, I'm just going to read another quote by Dr. Suritian and he said, he, he said, look, if they politicize this food issue, I wonder who he referred to, it will soon turn into incitement resulting in racial religious divisions. This action could affect ethnic and religious unity in the country. I mean, he, he is using it from another point of view. It's like, if you make this an issue, you are the one who are inciting racial disharmony. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and that's why this is the wrecking ball kind of temperament that he has. And I think people don't even realize that he's whacking back the religious institution. He's wrecking his own deputy mm-hmm. for saying all kind of nonsense. But that, that's the thing. It, it's like, now I know we, we sort of talk about, we sort of diagnose the issue. Everyone knows this, you know, we don't need to teach Malaysian about this. But what do you think can be done? I mean, we, we know that this is holding us back because look, Malaysian strength is always a multicultural, but when you, when you kind of insert this kind of forced harmony, all, all of a sudden, you don't have true harmony already. You have forced false and false harmony because it's not real. Yep. I mean, I mean, we just look at other nations with, with multi I mean, of course, these days we have a lot. But classic example of a nation with many different origin. you look at America, for example, they're called Rainbow Nation. Australia, very similar to us. The land law and company law, very similar. These, the people there, they have no issue calling themselves American. They have no issue calling themselves Australian. And yet, they are not compromising their own heritage, right? I mean, in Australia, you have the Vietnamese, you have the Lebanese, you have the Greek. You know, they have the, 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 the largest Greek diaspora outside mm. Greece. And I mean, they do their own Greek thing. Yep. You, you know, a big fat Greek wedding. I don't know how many of you watch that. You know, it, that kind of, they, they are very, very much 
culture, but they are not, they won't be like, okay, if you don't like Slovakia or you don't like Greek salad or you don't like whatever, we're going to say you're a bad guy. I mean, now I think about it, it's almost childish, right? <laughs> you want to use, you want to disagree over food. And I think that's the thing I get from the tourism minister. He is like trying to, I don't know, shame them. And it's like, if you fight over food, you are worse than a child. Yeah. I mean, I get that feeling from him. I, I was trying to find a video. I couldn't find a video. I can just imagine his expression. <laughs> yeah. He'll be like, I don't know. You know, he's like that kind of, <laughs> that kind of guy. Yeah. I, I would say like, uh, look, I mean, if you are a, a vegetarian and if you, are, <laughs> if you are Hindu, you do not have to be told by the government to, to, to say that you, you know, beef is, is something that is not allowed in your culture. I mean, as a Chinese, we brought up with a Chinese culture. Mm. If you grow up in a Malay uh, Muslim family, you understand your religion, you understand your Malay culture. And same for Indians, same for Iban, same for many other races. And, you know, I mean, it's like this, this statement and this whole saga, to me, it reflects the narrow perspective of the politician themselves mm. rather than, you know, r rather than reflection of the whole community. So, so do you agree that the issue is weaponized? Yes. So, I, I mean, of course, historically, because they, they, they use the education system, for example. Yeah. I, I think it is not so much whether bakute is a, is a heritage food, but it's more like, you know, um, maybe this is about the identity of a mm. race mm. that they felt like they still need to protect. Um, but you, this is really from the problem from within rather than from external. You know, and and um, yeah. What would you say to them? I, I mean, it's like, for example, you can't eat this food. Um, you can't go into a nun. You, you can't go into a religious body that is not of your religion. You know, they, there's a hoo ha over that. Um, you can't. What else? You can't read a, a spiritual book of another religion. Remember, a while ago there was this uh, move, independent movie movie called Mentega Turban. And I don't think it was banned because it was on a streaming channel. But the director was called by the police to give a statement. I don't know what's happening. But in the movie, I don't know if how many of you are aware, there was this, uh, there was this girl and she was just kind of like contemplating what does it feel like uh, to, to, to understand. You know, I think the movie is trying to say, look, try to understand other culture and religion. But even then, it's like, cannot. And when you think like that, you cannot do this. You cannot go to the place. You cannot eat this food. Doesn't it make what you believe so? I don't know what's the word. Like so, it, it's like it's your foundation so weak, flimsy. Yeah. flimsy and Are you so unsure about your identity, mm. about your religion, that you need the law, or you need the whole country to agree on 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 one thing like that? But also, I would say maybe for the younger generation who are more exposed because now you have internet mm. and things like that, a bit more free maybe. Um, I can't help but to link this with Singaporean again. <laughs> you know, like how Singaporean, they are not allowed to eat chewing gum and, you know, they are not allowed to follow drive. Follow the law. Huh? Follow the law, basically. But 
when the law allows, when they come to the other side, you know, to Malaysia, they become unhinged mm. and they just do whatever that they, they, they were not allowed to do in, in their place. And then you have another sort of scenario where you, you have something called Streisand effect, mm. where the more you try to ban something, you know, it, it's like Joycelyn Chan like that. Suddenly she becomes so famous because uh, she got cancer left, right, center. Everyone is talking about her. Um, she wasn't cancelled, you know. It's more like yeah. the Malaysian thing she's being cancelled. But I think she gained popularity. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's that type of totally opposite effect that the more you ban it, the more I want to find out mm. what, what, what is in it, you know. Um, yeah. And I think that's with, with children, right? And even teenagers, we, we, we talked about it uh, previously. Like, for example, if, you know, like teenagers before they go to college or university, sometimes they go overseas and they may be in an environment that is very, very strict, you know, come back, can only do certain things, no freedoms and not given the opportunity to exercise independence. And all of a sudden, they are put in Australia, they are put in Sydney, Melbourne or even London, wherever. And they just become a crazy person, a crazy as in totally loose because they don't understand the boundary. They don't, they have not developed that, that conviction, I would say. Yeah. So, and that's why you, you, you see a lot of the, the, the Muslims who are trying to, who are trying to, to fight this issue. You think about Miriam Mokhtar, you think about Siti Kasim and, and those people. I mean, they are really in a minority. It, but sometimes I do feel like maybe even among the younger generation, many people agree with them, but it's just the whole atmosphere, the whole upbringing, the whole establishments uh, hanging over and, and people will be like, ah, it's just easier to follow the flow and drift rather than be my own person. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's what a lot of people are doing, just, just follow the crowd. Yeah. I, I, and also I would say like, like, you know, the molding of a person of the religion, of the belief, of the culture, of the culture, so much of it comes from the family. Mm -hmm. It's not from what the government tells you, yeah. what Sharia court tells you, but it's really what your parents taught you, what your Quran tells you, what does your Bible tells you, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, basically, I felt like the government is trying to take on the role of parenting. I mean, like it or not, it's, like, it's almost like they wanted to control us since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. it's like, if I can create this whole population, this whole generation, even to just be super conforming to my laws and yep. even thoughts, and I would have free army at my expense. Mm -hmm. So I really felt like it's more politicized than, yep. than we like to think. And that's what we say, right? I mean, since May 13, we created an entire generation. They have this siege mentality. Uh, and that's why, you know, you know, certain politicians will always say, look, you know, these people are undermining the Malay rights and things like that. But when you kind of study the whole institutions, everything is under their control. You know, from the GLC, from politics, from public service, everything. Uh, you know, it, I mean, to be fair, they are, they are the by far the largest majority uh, race. So it's not surprising they, they, they will be the one driving the agenda. So there is nothing to be afraid of and that's why I agree with you that all these issues are there to create what we call siege mentality. And of course, food is actually the least of the issue, yeah. you know, but then, then it, it kind of, you know, the religion, the faith, and after a while, it, they need all kind of draconian law to, to silence the people. 
I mean, up till even the last, not the last G, maybe the last, last G, people are still talking about maybe May 13 will repeat. Uh, I don't think you hear that anymore because that ghost have been laid to, yeah. to rest. Mm-mm. But I want to finish today because our time is sort of running out. Now, we, we talk a lot about the diagnosis and I think we know the diagnosis. But what are some of the things that you believe can be done to, uh, to mitigate that? Of course, when you have power and influence, you can be a madman like Dr. Siri Tiong King Singh, you know, because he has the courage and he knows, you know, uh, almost, it's almost like he has the aura of a gangster. <laughs> I mean, that, that's his reputation, you know. And, you know, in Sarawak, we have a few politicians, right? We have him, we have Walbo. Okay, if you don't know who is Walbo, <laughs> then you should go and talk to Sarawak. Okay, we just, just have to find out the real name Walbo. But anyway, that, that's besides the point today. But in your mind, what can be done? What can we do? I mean, is this a winnable fight or let's not be bothered? You know, what do you all think? I mean, let, let's just finish off with these concluding thoughts. Maybe Lyra, start with you first. <laughs> well, I think because at the very beginning, we actually framed this whole thing as a cultural war. Mm-hmm. So I really felt like parents should really take on the responsibility of really educating their, their children. Mm. I mean, like it or not, there is a form of heritage to be passed on. The culture, the, the really just the vast diversity that we enjoy. So that sort of thing, I, I felt like the good values mm. can be passed on and you can actually... Because I, I felt like a lot of older generations, they actually say uh, before this whole thing became too politicized, yep. they were actually living in harmony. They don't know races as how we know it today. Yep. They don't see each other based on the color, skin color. So that's all of things. I think parents should really, really drill it down to the kids mm. at, at the very beginning, before they even go to the schooling system and became yep. like basically brainwashed. So I felt like there is still a lot to be done mm. here the thing is, parents need to be aware that a lot of times they just, for convenience, maybe they just relinquish the whole educating mm. to, to basically our governmental education system. Mm. Yeah, I think that is what we are seeing, for example, in the West. I mean, the West, of course, have different issues. They have more of the LGBT, the, the woke issue and where the, the education system is basically pushing it out to people. And I, I totally agree with you that if, if there is that, education and nurturing at home, then the children can become more open-minded. I mean, I always find that the children who are more open-minded, it is because the parents have nurtured them in such a way, uh, experience different things. I mean, there are different ways to do it. I mean, every kid have different personalities. Some, they need to experience it. Some, they need to see the modeling from the parents. And sometimes there's a lot of talking and, and, and discussing. But if parents don't do anything, then they will just follow the drift of I'm of the whole now I'm just thinking about now before lunch you come come with a concluding thoughts. I'm just thinking about the whole cultural war you mentioned because food I mean is really the the least of it, but it's like okay if you think there is so much differences we have different religions then what about what about things like blood transfusion you know we talk about it right then then you want halal money. <laughs> you know, it's like it's getting more and more ridiculous, you know, because like what Lanshi was just saying, you know, there is that unspoken rule, let's not share the common area. But like it or not, there's a lot of interaction. Why, why are we creating barrier like this? Yeah. And it's only going to get worse if people... But I really believe if the parents kind of say, look, you know, we, we, we don't eat beef, but you can sit down and eat other food with other people. You know, if you educate your children like that, then they won't take it as an offense. 
But if you say, oh, beef is evil, the smell of beef is evil. I, I, I know people who cannot stand the smell of beef. Now, maybe it's really they don't like it, but I believe a lot is due to their conditioning since young. But anyway, Lanshi, what, what do you think of the whole thing? And uh, some of the things that we can do, uh, some of the things that we can maybe talk about. You know, even, I was thinking, I mean, even the things we talk about, I, I don't think it's very comfortable for a lot of people yeah. to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a bit surprised the direction we go. It's only food. <laughs> <laughs> it's only food. Okay, we're going to eat beef and pork later. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if given chance... I would want that button, you know. <laughs> Just <laughs> press that button and go back to before May 13. Mm. And, and, and but we don't have that button. Right? Well, we don't. And reset the whole country in a totally different direction. But like, like Russ said, May 13 was really a very... Uh, uh, it's a really a... It just totally changed the direction of a country um, uh, uh, after that. But I think going forward, mm, I'm hoping to see more politicians will be like uh, you know Dato Sri Tiong the madman from Bintulu yeah yes. the madman from Bintulu but I guess like like what Simon say you know because of uh, where he comes from probably there's more freedom for him mm. to to be and, 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 and also the fact that he is also a tourism min, min, minister <laughs> that he has that authority to, 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 to speak up like that but I, I think um, the country will need to talk about the difficult issue that revolve around race and religion without that type of intimidation from, you know, from, from the politician, from the law. And, and the way I look at how some of the Perikata National uh, politicians talk about issues like, you know, like nurses' clothing being too tight today, or even the food-related issue, it seems like the bigger picture is they want to implement Sharia law yeah. mm. in in a wider wider uh, scale, and this does not represent Malaysian. You know, while Malay is majority, but this is not Malaysian, and I would say by their standard, if they think Bakute is not heritage food because it does not represent Malaysian, you are not, you will not be be elected into the federal office because you do not represent all Malaysians. Yeah. yeah. And I think now I think it's a good time to think about in 1963 when all the nations come together they wanted a, a, a Malaysia for Malaysian. And I think that, that is very much true. I mean you, you, you think about the from, from SUPP you know Ong King Hui you talk about Li Kuan Yu even Kaolong Ningang Party you know they were talking about that and it was never about you know, the dominance of a particular race and religion. That, that's not how multicultural should be working. And I think this is really the war that this generation is going to face, and especially with the unity government, with, with Prekata National. I mean, of course, we already have Prekata earlier on, other uh, iterations. Basically, a, a, a Malay Muslim-dominated collision. I mean, with a few tokens, Chinese, Indian, and native. I mean, that's not, that's not Malaysian, that, that's not a, a Malaysian party for Malaysia, right? And so, yeah, I, I guess the people have to decide because people are now complaining about unity government, you're not doing enough. But the fact is the voters did not give them enough mandate to go into 
the the Malaysia for Malaysian yeah. kind of. And, and so so I, I guess the state election is going to be very very interesting because depending on how it goes, we can go closer to a Malaysia for Malaysian or we can move further away. Yep. Yeah. So before we end, I, I, I was just, <laughs> I have this final thought that was in my mind and I, I also like, you know, if you want that type of totalitarian uh, control and you can have a government who say they can hold that type of responsibility, that type of power, mm. but you can also have someone who is like Mao, mm. who is entrusted with that type of power and then you have cultural revolution that totally destroy a generation of people yep. or Pol Pot. Yep. You know, um, and, and cultural issues should not be politicized like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that that's really Marxism, you know. That that's really the 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 root of everything, you know. Destroy everything, you know. Destroy your history, change your history. I mean, that's critical race theory. Yeah. And that is being weaponized right now in America, and that's why we are always talking about America because they represent a a very unique self determination model. Which you know, we have many East Malaysian listeners. They are always yeah. very interested in that portion of the discussion, especially when it comes to MACC three. But at the same time, you can see. The opponent of self-determination wants to kill it. And, and what's the best way to do it? Let's change history. Let's rouse the, the, the emotion of culture. Mm. I mean, and it's like, I, I guess we, we all have our cultural, um, it's, it's not deficiency. We have our cultural, um, what's the word that we decide? I use uh, inferiority complex. That certain things, uh, that's why once in a while I hear people say you know we should be like China we should use communism it's like what, what, what load of rubbish is that you, you have not experienced uh, communism before the, this generation of Chinese do not experience that you know they, they are in free market and kind of thing but it's like people say things which they don't understand because it come out from maybe the cultural inferiority complex and they, when they see certain things are happening they, they want it you know yeah. so it's going to be a huge challenge because culture and religion always the monkey on the back right mm. so I think the next time we come back I think it will be state election cycle already yes. and I, I think this is going to be one of the major points uh, in the state election you know it's like because it's really two very different ideology right mm. so, so I guess those of you who are listening and watching you can write to us give some comments you know what would you like us to discuss you know you want this kind of chili party kind of discussion <laughs> Oh, you want something more political, more policy driven, but those are like heavy research, boring discussion. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I think that's all the time we have for today. So until yep. next time. So Lanshi and Lyra, thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye. We shall see you soon. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>